0: Hi, my name is Dan, and in this world, I'm a lot of things. A father, a son, a brother, a talk radio host. But one thing that I'm definitely not is a Star Trek fan. However, my brother Joey... That's me. He is a Star Trek fan. But only the original series.
1: Live long and prosper.
0: He believes that if I sat down and watched the original series, that maybe, just maybe, I could become a fan too.
1: There's such great writing. How could you not?
0: So, for the next 79 episodes of this podcast, that's what I'll be doing watching every episode of the original series and coming here to discuss it after each one. So, join me each week as I go through all 79 original Star Trek episodes. This is A Tempting Trek. And welcome back to another edition of Attempting Trek. My name is Dan. I am the one who is attempting Trek. This is my journey to see if I can become a Star Trek fan by watching all of the original episodes and as always I am joined by super fan Joey. Joey, how are you doing tonight? I'm feeling awesome, Dan. We're talking Trek. I'm happy. How are you? I I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm Listen, I, I'm going to bring something up to you. I'm going to bring something up to you from our last episode. Okay, here we go. All right. So in Miri, I went ahead and and before I'm going to preface this by saying that one of the things that we have is in order to quantify the goal, right? We've set a, a point system of a lofty one hundred thousand points, and I assess points arbitrarily to episodes as as I see fit, and. I gave Miri 50 points, which, granted, overall, that that's not a lot, but in comparison to the other episodes, it is a lot. And uh, upon further reflection, I would like to say that Miri... Okay, let's was, move on
1: now. Dagger of th- the mind. <laughs>
0: Listen, I'm, I'm not changing it. I can't... like I, I, As you went ahead and said, that once I said it, I had to keep it. But upon reflection, Miri yeah. was worth about five points. Ah. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, it'll maybe it'll grow on you. Maybe, perhaps it will. Perhaps it will. But I'm still saying that um, right now I'm at uh, 200 points on our our march to, to yes. 100,000. Yes, which feels yes. very far away. By the way, it, it feels yeah, very far yes. away. Now, it's a, it, yeah, one of the things that you tell me um, when we're not on the show, when on, and not on this show, I mean, is that you know we're get, we're getting through these early ones and that great ones are coming correct correct now are we still in the early ones or are we in the great period how close is the great period
1: well i really do want to tell you but yeah. on the other hand i don't want to uh, I don't want to contaminate the experience Okay,
0: well you don't have to say it's episode 15 You could just say we're relatively close Or it's going to be a little while
1: We're buttoned up against it, how about Ooh, that?
0: Ooh, okay, I like that Okay, I like that, alright all right. So, uh, what is the episode we're talking about? What is it called? Daggers of the Mind?
1: Dagger of the Mind
0: Dagger of the Mind, because there's only one Okay, got it And, yes. and uh, are you excited about this one? You're always excited, I don't know why I ask you this question
1: uh, I got to tell you, uh, this one, I was not as excited going in. Okay. Um, and then watching it, I was pleasantly surprised. I was, uh, I became more uh, enthusiastic about doing the podcast with you, thinking that I had some pretty interesting stuff to, to talk about, some stuff that I appreciated better than I remembered. Yeah. Um, I thought the story was a little stronger than I expected it to be or remembered because, again, I'm – this rewatch that I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's the first time I've seen some of these episodes, most of these episodes in decades. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I was pleasantly surprised. I was pretty happy with it. So I'm feeling pretty good about it.
0: All right. Now, is there anything that I need to know before or that you want to talk about before we jump into our episode recap? Uh,
1: yeah, just some of the basic stuff. Um, as as always, uh, I like to talk about the ratings. Oh yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, and before I go into that, I guess I should uh, uh, explain to anybody that's listening to us that uh, a lot of the research that I do, you know, I listen to other people's uh, podcasts. Everybody that I listen to um, always offers some pretty good insight. They point out some things that that I didn't notice. Uh, of course, I watch each episode a couple different times. And I read a lot of different uh, sources. I read pages from certain books, and uh, some things that were written by some of the actors, and then some people that actually studied uh, the show or worked on the show. There's one book in particular that I get a, most of my, uh, the lion's share of my research coming from, and that is uh, something called "These Are the Voyages," and it's a three-volume set written by Mark Cushman who was given unprecedented access to Gene Roddenberry's files, which actually were housed at UCLA. And he went through, this is back in the 80s, and he went through, I don't know, scores and scores of boxes, found all sorts of production notes and memos and letters that people had written about other people to other people. Um, And he put together kind of an episode-by-episode account of what it took to produced the episode, what some of the actors were saying, the conflicts that they were having with writers and directors and things like that. And some of it is just so fascinating that I just keep dwelling on it. But um, I just wanted to make sure that I'm giving due credit. Uh, you know, that again, that book nice. is called These Are the Voyages and it was written by Mark Cushman. And you can find it like I did on Amazon. It's like 15 bucks, uh, you know, to to get the download, you know, for each volume. Okay. Uh, I think it's absolutely terrific. So, if you like Star Trek: The Original Series, um, I, I could not. And you want to know how things really went? I could
0: not um, praise it any higher. Okay, very good. All right, so yes. are we ready to start now? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wait, w- what are the ratings for this episode?
1: Yes. Okay. So, th- so this episode is episode number nine. Um, it it uh, airs on November third, nineteen sixty six. Important to note, Dan, that. They are still up against it. They're still sort of in panic mode. Um, I know I've kind of repeated this, but for people who haven't heard us before, um, as soon as they came, as soon as um, NBC greenlit the second pilot, they had to immediately start producing. They were put on the schedule right away, and they were sort of in a panic because they had to produce all of these episodes. And um, they're still in that mode here. So this episode, Dagger of the Mind, actually. Uh, was produced before uh, what are or what are Little Girls made of? Oh, and no, it's, kidding. Okay. Yes, and
0: Miri comes right after it. Oh, okay. See that the production order always a little different. It seems.
1: Yeah, right. So we're not going to see some uh, certain actors in this, maybe because this is one of the very first ones that when they said okay, we need episodes, they started working on this one first. This is I, one of the very first ones, before uh, yeah. Naked Time and, um, and and some of the other ones that we talked about. So okay. um, there's going to be some interesting things that we may point out here. But in answer to your question about the ratings, yes, once again, Star Trek comes up higher than, than the legends seem to tell us. Um, it wasn't first, but it finished in second place. And back then, the way the Nielsen ratings worked is that they gave you a number for each half hour. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So basically in both half hours of uh, – I think I think Star Trek went from 8.30 to 9.30. Um, and so for the first half hour, it finished behind uh, Bewitched, and the second half hour, it finished behind The Dating Game.
0: The Dating Game?
1: Yeah. Oh, my god. All well, right. maybe Joe Namath was on or something. <laughs> sure. OK. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
0: um,
1: yeah, so Star Trek is not a ratings flop by any measure
0: at all. At least not yet. Right. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about Dagger of the Mind.
1: Oh, wait a second. There's one more thing we forgot to tell the new people. Oh, what's that? We have to explain what happens when you hear something.
0: Oh, you know, you know, and it's on my notes, too. How embarrassing is that? <laughs> All right, so any time that Joey has some imper- has some pertinent information that he needs to get out, he will let us know by chiming in with the communicator sound. Right there. So if you hear that happening, that means I'm going to shut up and then Joey will have something uh, very important to say. All right. So now we can begin breaking down Dagger of the Mind, correct? Yes. All right. Let's get forward here. Let's go. Uh, first thing that that we see is what looks to me, and I don't know if, if this was an intentional thing because I kind of feel like it was. It looks like a prescription bottle. It looks like a, a pill bottle. And then we kind of back away from the pill bottle and it's like a big giant pill bottle that some crewmen are putting on the uh on the transporter to beam down to a penal colony.
1: Yeah, you know, I never thought about it looking like a pill bottle, I but I guess the close up really makes it look like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I almost made it feel like they wanted you to think that, and then you pull back and it's like, Oh look, nope, we kinda fooled you. Here's it's it's actually this big giant thing. I don't know if that's the case at all. Right. Uh, that's just uh, how it looked to me. Uh, the other thing that I noticed is that the crewman who's who's hanging around here, I don't know what's with these jumpsuits that look like they were in robes, but yeah, it's not good.
1: Well, remember, like I said, this is very early in the production of the entire series. They're still yeah. figuring some of that stuff out.
0: Oh, I, wait. Are you going to tell me that the crewmen are going to wear better robes later on?
1: Um, Not necessarily going to tell you that, but they might fit better.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, all right. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so there there's some guy it's, who's not Scotty, because I guess we're not to that point where Scotty is always going to be there. There's some other dude who's working the transporter, and he can't quite get all of these things to go. Now, um, only since you brought it up, they actually
1: wanted Scotty.
0: Oh, but, and, and what happened?
1: Well, um, he was originally written in, and then uh, they looked at it and said, you know – this guy makes 850 in appearance and if all he's doing is he's got one line and he's just in this one moment in the entire episode, we can get anybody to do it.
0: Oh, no kidding. So yeah. <laughs> so Scotty was too pricey is what you're telling me. Yep. Scotty didn't make the cut for budgetary reasons. That's a, yeah. all right, That's yeah. great. That yep. is great. Okay. So instead of Scotty, you get some random dude who's yes. running the uh, the transporter, and he's having a hard time beaming all of these supplies down to the penal colony. <laughs> and fortunately, Kirk happens to be wandering by, yeah. and uh, our captain comes in and points out that, hey, look, they got a force field going on because it's a penal colony. You got to keep the prisoners in, and uh, I don't know, the people who would be breaking them out, out. And so he... Calls down, get them to um, lower their force field, and then he beams the stuff down. And, and then, and then of course, he tells the guy, and you know, why don't you go review some of these policies so you would know? Go, why don't you take a look at the manual when you got a few minutes? But he, when he does it, it's with this
1: really nice smile, though, right?
0: He has that smile almost all the time in these episodes I uh, and and, and, he, and he has it a lot in this one where he's either just either very friendly or very amused or mildly smug it's it's all there in that yeah. smile it's always there It it's it's almost like I feel like it's it's good to be the king you know he's got that look yeah of his face.
1: yeah but at the same time though you don't exactly feel scolded right when he when he looks at you that way because it feels genuine I don't know that it is oh well, Mr Berkeley you might refamiliarize familiarize yourself with the manual on penal colony procedures. Immediately, sir. But doesn't it feel
0: genuine? Oh, yes. No, no, no. He feels like he, he's being, like, the benevolent king uh, in, in moments like that. But, <laughs> right. but yes. But still, he is the king. Like, make no mistake, Oh yeah. I'm in charge. Right. All right, so anyway. So when those things beam down, the penal colony beams something up. They beam up a big giant box. And I think the box says something like do not open something like that which why would you beam up a box that you can't open but all right so of course no surprise is when the box pops open and there's only Uh-oh. there's a an, and some wild-eyed looney tune so some, <laughs> some some escapee from the prison pops out and he quickly uh makes quick work of uh the robe guy and now he's on the loose and this is kind of an interesting beginning. I'm thinking, oh wow, this is this is a little different. We're we're gonna have a, a madman on the loose of the Enterprise. This is our problem. Oh. Yeah. So I I kind of thought that this was the direction we were going. I was wrong, but I thought that was an interesting idea.
1: Okay.
0: All right. So on the bridge, well, we we learned a few things from all of the standard folks who hang out on the bridge. We learned that penal colonies. Are more like resorts these days. Have you ever been to a penal colony since they started following his theories? A cage is a cage, Jim. You're behind the times, Bones. They're more like resort colonies now. Yeah, that's right. So, well, you
1: know, that's at least Kirk's interpretation.
0: That is what uh, that is what Kirk believes. That's right. Yeah. That uh, right. hey, he's telling McCoy this. Oh uh, no, 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 Bones. You don't understand. This is not like the days when guys were in hard labor, because this is how we are able to treat sick minds. And I'll tell you, there is sort of a that that's a little bit of a ahead of its time kind of thought. I think for 1966 that well, that prisoners I'll, would be that that um. We would be looking at people more like, okay, you're not just a prisoner. You're not just a guy we're locking up. We're, you're, you're a, you have a sick mind that we need to treat.
1: It's about rehabilitation.
0: It's a That's it. That's better. It's about rehabilitation more than it is punishment, I guess.
1: Right. What do you but
0: think? I, Am I off on that or, or no? No.
1: Well, I don't think it's as novel as you were saying. I think it's not common, but I believe Clockwork Orange, the book, came out in like 1960 or 62 or something like that. Um, and I'm not sure when the movie came out in England. Would you know that? 71. Well, I, well
0: there's a, isn't that the U.S. version? Because I believe there's a different version. Um I like when, when you say clock like I know clockwork orange is, is seventy one that's that's the number in my head. Maybe we could look it up if you want to.
1: No, we don't need to. Okay. but I, I, I'm of the opinion that um, or the understand that that there may have been a different version that aired in England, may have aired earlier, and it was edited differently. So the one that you and I you know saw you know twenty years ago, thirty years ago, whenever it was, I don't know that it's that version. Nonetheless, though, just to stay on point, yes, um, the concept had at least been broached in that book,
0: right? Uh, yeah, that's that's true. But that I don't know. I guess maybe you can make a parallel how things turn out because it's right. not as though that rehabilitation is, is is a great method that they have in, in Clockwork Orange.
1: Right. We could talk about that when we get to it.
0: <laughs> all right. So let's move on, shall we? Sure. Now, yeah. after we find out that penal colonies are places that you could go vacation in, we find out that there is a prisoner on the loose. And oh, all yeah. of a sudden, maybe the penal colonies aren't so great. <laughs> it <Right. laughs> And, and I, I do love this. this. There's a number of great moments that happen. One of them is when we find out that there's a prisoner on the loose. Uh, the the bridge the door is open and here comes a guard here comes a red shirt and he's standing guard thank goodness oh yeah right whoo I feel I feel at ease now that he's you feel here safe yeah yeah <laughs> and it takes him about four seconds to get overpowered and to uh, lose his phaser yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah, he actually
1: made it worse by bringing the
0: phaser. You're right. He did. Because at (laughs) first, this is just some lunatic. There's about, I don't know, there's like five dudes on the bridge. They could have taken him. But no, now this guy has lost his phaser, and now the madman is armed. That's just wonderful. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Quick correction. Van Gelder gets the phaser from a guard that he knocked out in the corridor, not the guard that he knocked out on the bridge. Okay, back to the show. So anyway, let's see. Uh, <laughs> there is... Oh, wait. You know what? There is a little moment, uh, and I can't remember what the exchange is, but it's between Spock and McCoy. I have it noted here. of I called it Spock superiority, in which they were discussing... Some little – normally this would be kind of a, a spacist thing that McCoy was doing, but it almost felt like Spock was having more of an attitude of, yep, this is uh, more of your human stuff. You you know, you know, humans, you uh, imprison people when they're violent, but yet you encourage violence. It's part of your stupid ways. Yeah, I
1: think we might have passed, passed that, we, that scene. Yes, we did. Um, I moved
0: past it. I needed to go back.
1: Uh, yeah, it, we're, it's not just past. I mean, we're, we're just past it. So he says, yeah, you know, for 40 centuries, we had this problem, but we overcame it, you know, with logic. And, and, and of course, McCoy, you know, takes offense to that sort of conversation. Uh, you know, he says, well, of course, your people found an answer. And, and Spock simply says, well, hey, we, we got rid of emotion, you know, and when there's no emotion – then there's no need for violence. The Earth people glorify organized violence for forty centuries, but you imprison those who employ it privately. And of course, your people found an answer. We disposed of emotion, Doctor. Where there's no emotion, there's no motive for violence. Which I thought was kind of an interesting thought, just on its own. I, I had to ponder that for a while. If that's really true. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's true? I still don't know. Um, I, I would say that there's probably less violence. I'd say there's a lot right? less, but is right? it?
1: But you know, is it? Is it? Is it an absolute? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. It, it, it is an interesting idea. All right. So anyway, um, where were we? All right. Let's just get to. We have the madman on the bridge with a phaser. Okay, Joe. What what happens here? What What does Spock do to take care of the situation?
1: Um. He just does a Spock move.
0: No, what? Yeah, what, what, what's the what's the name? The famous oh. Spock neck pinch. There was a name that they officially gave it. That the you know the what
1: famous Spock nerve pinch.
0: No, ah, that's it. The nerve pinch. The famous Spock nerve pinch. Uh, yes, the yeah.
1: F S N P.
0: The uh, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, F-S-S-N-P. yeah, yeah. N P. Yeah, that's. <laughs>
1: I hope I'm getting it right. <laughs> I believe
0: that I pretty that that sounds right. That sounds yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and it, it did have some sort of abbreviation. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. every
1: time that they put it in the uh, in, in the scripts, they refer to it with the acronym, and I'm pretty sure it's FSNP.
0: All right. So now, yeah. b- now before we subdue the prisoner, he was, I don't know, having some sort of issue with communicating. He wanted oh, to yeah. get. He wanted to be taken away. Uh, I, I do like that Kirk thinks about it and is like, nope, not going to happen. Kirk is very resolute, uh, and I, I, sometimes I admire it, sometimes I don't, but I, I, I like this uh, here. So anyway, he gets, Spock does the, ne- the neck pinch, and we're all fine. Now we're going to take a look at this guy, and McCoy wants to, to keep him to study what's going wrong with him. Kirk says, no, I don't think I want to do that when our prisoner wakes up now we're on to having a hard time talking and there's clearly there's some issue with him right he's trying to talk and he's getting some words out but we can't really exactly understand what his overall communication is supposed to be what what he's trying to convey right right it's
1: it's almost like he's holding back a puke or something
0: yes yes
1: yeah he's just sort of like convulsing but only when he's about to like start giving
0: particular
1: information
0: and the plot thickens when spock learns who the prisoner was he was actually the assistant to dr adams who was apparently a big deal down at the penal colony tristan adams dr tristan adams ah, all right and and our guy is uh van gelder is that right correct okay so kirk calls down to the to the prison to the penal colony and to find out what's all right what let me see if I can find out what's going on why is it that his assistant was escaping let's let's see what's what's going on down there. He talks to dr. Adams and says and if we find out that uh, Van Gelder was part of this experimental program where they were using uh, a beam to rehabilitate some bad hombres and van <laughs> Gelder was apparently using it on other people without testing it uh, on himself first. Something like that. Do I have that story right? Uh, I'm
1: not sure that, that that's accurate. Um, I, I, I think it was an experiment that wasn't exactly, like, cleared.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? and And so he was doing it on other people, but he was also doing it on himself.
0: Okay. Okay. So anyway... McCoy does not believe this story. McCoy yeah. tells Kirk, look, I, I can't explain it, but he's lying. I, I can't explain why, but it just, it just doesn't ring true. An experimental beam we'd hoped might rehabilitate incorrigibles. Van Gelder felt he hadn't the moral right to expose another man to something he hadn't tried on his own person. Tragedy, Doctor. Jim, um, that
1: doesn't quite
0: ring true. Says things like that which is great Uh, meanwhile Kirk is this is so funny to me Kirk has this attitude that this Dr. Adams fella is beyond reproach right you you don't understand this this guy is a genius in the field of penal colonies this guy is the reason that penal colonies are wonderful vacation resorts and not horrible prisons
1: right now haven't we come across this already a number of times though Oh. That this that the that the uh, antagonist is uh, somebody who has some you know history behind him that makes him uh, sort of
0: unreproachable. Oh, like every other episode, there's a guy yeah. like this who's yeah. on a planet who's a genius who's beyond yeah. reproach, and yeah. uh, how dare you question the wonderful yeah. resume of yeah. you know whoever this guy is? And it's like, are you kidding? Have you not watched the other episodes that you were in? <laughs> You can't right. be serious. Don't you remember Dr. Corby? I mean, come on. <laughs> this wasn't that long ago. Right, right. All right, so McCoy still isn't buying it. And and after the – he tells Kirk, he gets a little tough. He tells him, oh, listen, yeah. um, I'm going to have to question this in my official medical log. And that means that you, Captain Kirk, you're going to have to have the answers in your captain's log.
1: I'm required to enter any reasonable doubts into my medical law. That requires you to answer in your law. I love that moment. It's those moments where I have a greater appreciation for D Kelly, the guy playing the role of Dr. McCoy. It's he, you know, he 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 plays it like such a hard ass. You know, as we've talked about in the past, you know, Kelly's background is that he worked for, you know, the the, the different, uh, you know, movie companies of the day playing the heavy, the bad guy and all the westerns and stuff like that. And people weren't sure, people that were deciders were not sure that he could handle the role of a, of a ship's doctor, um, you know, because maybe he was too tough. Um, but this is perfect. You know, I mean, he's basically the only person on the entire enterprise that
0: can actually back Kirk up to a wall, right? Yes, so it it seems. And he's also the only person who has any kind of feeling that there's something funny going on. You know, well yeah,
1: he brings that he does bring that constantly that that emotional element to it. You yeah. know, it's my gut, this yeah. is what I think. Yeah. And when I when my gut tells me this, I'm all in. <laughs> and like you see it on his face, you hear yeah. it in his voice. Yes. Right? You know, it's very, you know, he 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 does he doesn't he doesn't do it half-assed at all.
0: Yeah. All right. So Kirk goes ahead and reluctantly informs Adams who they're they're talking through the communicator. Uh, hey, listen, I'm I gotta go by the book and I'm required to do an investigation so I'm gonna have to go down there and of course, Dr. Adams is more than welcoming. Come on down! But of course, he's welcoming with a slight caveat. Please, make sure that you come yourself and don't bring a lot of people with you. Captain, I would appreciate it if you could with a minimum staff we're forced to limit outside contact as much as possible affirmative doctor I've visited rehab colonies before enterprise out these are some kind of warning signs that I would think Kirk would be aware of by now
1: I'm pretty sure it's almost identical to what happened in what our little girl's made of. Oh, I'm pretty sure Dr. Corby said almost the exact same thing. Oh,
0: this, it, yes, right? Yes. Th- uh, this episode immediately started making me thinking of that one. I was like, oh my god. this is a, We're doing that again? We just yeah. did that. Yeah. And yeah. Kirk is like, yep, I'll I'll do it. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible decision. This is a terrible Seems idea. to me. Yes.
1: <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's
0: insane.
1: Last time I did this, there were two of me. And it was great. <laughs> Let's see what you got in store. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. What what crazy adventures will I get into when I go down here to the penal colony? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 Wonderful. Sure. Now, uh, Kirk tells Bones, "Listen, I'm I'm going, but I want you to find someone in your department who is who knows psychology or whatever. You know, someone um uh, someone in the medical field in, in your department. Which is funny because anytime I think of The medical department on Star Trek I think of, well, there's Dr. McCoy And then that's about it Maybe whoever's sitting in there with him But this made me think, oh, he's got a whole Staff with him, there's a whole group of people That he must be working with
1: Well, okay, actually, believe it or not Yes, he does have a whole staff, they just never show it But the one that we do get to see, and you're going to see her More often in the future, in the near future Is going to be Nurse Chapel
0: Oh, of course, sure Okay. Okay,
1: And I think there will be random episodes here and there Where you'll see other people you know, in the sick bay working on people. But everybody that's on the bridge, I think, has a staff of people under them, even Uhura.
0: Oh, no kidding.
1: Yeah. I believe that she's like the head of this huge communications team that is, you know, working throughout the enterprise.
0: Well that would make sense. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Alright. So Kirk goes to uh to beam down.
1: Oh, oh oh, just uh, to you know to put a a cap on what you said, yeah, when he was looking for someone who had a particular uh um uh, skill knowledge. or knowledge uh in a ter- in a certain area it was about rehabilitative therapy,
0: ah okay, very good,
1: which uh, I thought was interesting um and and makes sense
0: right sure yeah absolutely we're we're rehabilitating people these days in penal colonies, not just locking Apparently. them up like they're animals, right alright so now this is the best uh, scene in the episode where we go to beam down and Kirk finds out who he's going with <laughs> Kirk finds out and it's whoa Nelly first of all it's Dr. Hottie is, who's there wearing the wearing what may be the shortest Starfleet dress in the history of the Starfleet dresses like that one is shorter than any of the other ones that I've seen Mhm. Yes, and and just so you know, I it, it didn't take me very long. Maybe like 3 4 seconds, but I fell madly in love with Dr. Noel. Dr. Like, Helen Noel. Dr. Oh, you Dr. fell for her. Oh my god, I saw her. I was like, "Oh my god, this episode's so good. <laughs> I thought, "My god, this episode is so good." it's
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. Marianna Hill. There's just What did, what did, What do you think about Spock's uh, Uh reaction? Because he obviously is picking up on something there.
0: Oh, he just always has a look of amusement. I know. But uh, (laughs) Kirk apparently has had some history with this one. Apparently there were some fun times at the Science Lab Christmas party that (laughs) Dr. Noel brings up that Kirk doesn't really want to get into. Don't you remember the Science Lab Christmas party? Yes, I remember. Yes,
1: yes, I remember. Problem, Captain.
0: You know, it's funny because if I was beaming down somewhere with this woman, I'd be delighted. But Kirk bristles a little bit as apparently something happened between them before. So hilarious! Something
1: he's not very happy about, but no, um,
0: yeah, she seems to be okay with it, huh? No, she's totally okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> she is totally okay with it. Yes, because yeah. you know why? Because everybody loves Kirk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All the ladies love Kirk is what I have learned Alright, so we get down to the penal colony And the first thing we're going to do is get into some sort of a rocket elevator That goes all the way down When they get in the elevator and it goes so fast Kirk and Noel are pushed together Oh, um, come, on. come on I don't think they, they got pushed together they, The force forced them to go down It was going no. so fast no? no. Wait, wait. Was that was that a little bit of a passionate embrace that happens?
1: I'm saying that nah. that's Kirk grabbing her, <laughs> being a little overprotective, perhaps.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's what I call Kirk being Kirk.
1: He completely grabs
0: her. Oh, he could... doesn't get
1: pushed together. There's no. He completely grabs her <laughs> yes, he and does. doesn't let her go.
0: He certainly does. <laughs> yeah. All right, so as soon as we get down there, we meet Dr. Adams. He seems totally okay for about a second. And then I notice one of the first things he does is he's like, come on in and uh, let me give you a drink. I'm like, oh, man. That's. that's okay, now that's let me ask you good. about
1: that, though. Did you happen to notice mm-hmm. anything about the background?
0: The bat. Wait. That's- now, this is when they're in the. In the penal colony? In, in the... Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Is there wa- any anything along the walls that they did they look familiar? Oh no, not really. Oh, they look completely to me like the, it's still partially the set, and it's true, but they look like the walls in the caves of what a little girl's made of.
0: Oh, is that right? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed it on my own, and then you know, in my research, I found it. Yeah. So that's because you know they're still scrambling. Oh, oh. But it's in these opening scenes right here when he wants to give his communicator and his phaser to uh, to Doctor Adams. You can actually, if you take another look at it, you look behind them and you'll see that the weird styrofoamy you know stuff that they use to you know pass for rocks or yeah. you know boulders and stuff. That's what it's still some of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got to tell you, I don't know if we, we've had this conversation before, but Kirk has that that remote control phaser. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less cool than the gun phaser. The gun phaser looks cooler. Like, there's two different kinds, I understand. Mm-hmm. And and I could see in the future, at some point, maybe having a remote control as, as a phaser would be a, a maybe a better idea, but it doesn't look as cool. What do you oh, think? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I would say that it depends mm-hmm. on what your motive is. If you just want to, you know, kill, then you probably want something that's more stealth-looking. But if you want to sort of encourage people... To, you know, just bend oh, to your will so that you don't have to kill them. Yeah. Maybe you want the gun-looking thing, right?
0: Oh, oh I see. So the, as soon as you see it, you're a little more intimidated. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it had nothing to do with anything. All, All right, right. So while we're here, uh, Dr. Adams introduces us to Leith. Leith? Yeah. And I think it's Leith. Leith. Okay. This is a woman who was rehabilitated, and she's now a therapist, and she apparently just came off the set of the stepford wives cuz she's all <laughs> spacey it's completely like something strange has happened to her and i'm not sure but i think her eyes are looking in two different directions
1: i thought so too
0: yeah like she's got yeah. a like she's got a lazy eye and i don't yes. know if that was on purpose or if they, did they hire someone and say all right listen we need someone with a lazy eye for this role <laughs> or did they just get lucky i don't know Uh, Or
1: is it a contact lens kind of a thing? But they do the close-up on her. Yes. So I did wonder, like, is that supposed to be a sign that there is something wrong with her? Like one more sign outside of the way she speaks. Yeah. Is that possible? I don't know. It's not explained. I couldn't find it in any of the research. Nobody else has spoken about it that I came across. So I don't know. If they're going to do the close-up on someone in that situation – um, it seems like you want us to see that and I don't know tip us off maybe that there's more to her right you know than meets the eye so to speak oh. which I I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, All right so we get a, we start getting a tour of uh, of the penal colony who wouldn't want one and Kirk is interested <laughs> here you know, we walk by one open doorway and Kirk's like, oh well, what's in here? And it is something that Dr. Adams wasn't really crazy about him seeing, which is uh-huh. a failed experiment, is how he labels it. Meanwhile, we're going to have a quick moment on the ship where Van Gelder is yelling about a neural neutralizer. Neural neutralizer. Neural
1: neutralizer. Can you explain that, Dr. Van Gelder?
0: Now, Spock is trying to get more information out of him, but we don't know anything other than that. Like, there's something to do with a neural neutralizer. Uh, okay. All right, Van Gelder. And so now we're going to go right back down to the penal colony. And what is the failed experiment? It's the neural neutralizer.
1: <laughs> it's all cool. coming together. Oh,
0: yes. It's uh, some sort of brain neutralizing beam. That's It's only for the most dangerous criminals. The effects are only temporary. And Kirk asks, hey, is this what happened to Van Gelder? And Adams tells him, well, you know, yeah, that's what happens. Now, when when we leave, we, start, we, we see the machine being used. And I, I'm trying to think of how I would describe this beam. This, I don't know. It almost looks like a wheel from a roller skate with a light in the middle of it. Something like that. that that's Pretty a, technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very technical. That, that's yeah. what it looked like to me. And we got a lot of close-ups of it throughout this episode. Anytime they want to show it, they're just going to show it real close. You don't ever see like the space around it or how it, it's mounted into the wall. It's just a nice close-up of that wheel with the light coming out of it.
1: And I like how uh, it's interesting. I'm going to note this here because it's going to come up in a few minutes probably. But I like how uh, Dr. Noel, the future Mrs. – Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, she'd be pretty all for you. I don't know, but um, hey, you it, know. I, I like how she says he asks her if she could handle that. You know, if she, if she could run it or if she could understand it, and she says something like, "I'm not acquainted with this style of equipment." I'm like, "Uh, oh, it's two, it's two knobs."
0: <laughs> it, it was. I know. It, the guy explained to Kirk how to do it, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah. It's, it's real simple. Turn he this does. knob. Turn this knob." How does it work? Quite simple. Off, on switches, and the large control here changes the strength of the brain-neutralizing beam. Right that's, right, that's right.
1: Which is, by the way, almost the same exact principle of, again, the Dr. Corby thing. Uh, <laughs> Remember, Andrea has to reach up. I think that's the only thing, but it's like one or two yeah. knobs, right?
0: Yeah, it is. It's always like – I think
1: there's uh, I think there's more context around it. Like we get to see that it's uh, higher up on a wall as opposed to this is on an instrument panel or something. Th- that's correct. But it's really You're the same right. thing. It's just a freaking knob or two.
0: Yeah, it's two knobs and then there was one big button in the middle uh, that, that I saw there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> So, alright, so, uh, let's see, after Kirk leaves, uh, we see that they're actually using that machine Kirk then gets on the communicator with Spock to, you know, have a little bit of a huddle What's going on? And for some reason, I don't fully understand, he decides Yeah, you know what, I think I'm gonna spend the night on the prison Like, what are you doing? You haven't seen enough? Did you get a-? I-, I know why, I know he's suspicious, but the That's whole right. idea is... To me, if you're suspicious about what's going on, maybe you want to invite somebody else down with you. Maybe you should feel like, "Ah, you know, I'm going to bring a couple of more dudes down here, and then we'll spend the night.
1: Okay. Um, I'm willing to criticize any episode at any time, as you know. Sure. I would counter with this as a possibility that maybe he's thinking he doesn't want to alarm Dr. Adams by bringing more people um, because that could close off the information flow. Uh, that's possible. That's and possible. And since he's the only one that has a suspicion, because obviously Doctor Noel still thinks the world of uh, of, of Doctor Adams. Yes, he's he's the only one that thinks this. You know, um, he's and you know he he is going to get back in that chair soon, right? He's going to figure out when's the right time to go in there and oh, yes. check it out for himself, right? Yes. So if he, you know, he can't stealthily. First of all, he definitely can't stealthily deem somebody down. He'd have to do it with Doctor Adams's support, simply because of the force field
0: that they can't get through. Uh, right? Yeah. Yes. No. That's that's true. You'd have to announce it. You'd have to tell them. Yeah. Look, right. I'm going to get another guy in here, and uh, we just want to check something out. It's uh, completely. Re- I mean, I, that's what I would do. Especially. Right. If consi-
1: I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't a better way. Yeah. By the
0: way, you oh, know, right. I'm
1: not suggesting that. Yeah. I but I am saying if he tries to bring somebody else down, it's gonna it's gonna hurt the investigation. I think.
0: I guess. I'm, I think probably what he
1: should do is he yeah. should uh, beam back up and report back to Starfleet, although there's no such thing as Starfleet yet. But, you know, if, I mean, at least they haven't introduced that. But he should probably support, uh, report back to the people that are his bosses and let them know, hey, I've got these severe issues here. Um, that's probably would be, that, you know, in a realistic sense, that would mm-hmm. probably be the way it would go, I would think, right?
0: Yes, correct. And then
1: maybe somebody else would send. You know, a, a ship with a whole team of investigators or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, but that to me would make more
0: sense. All right, so when when Kirk is explaining that he's gonna stay, Van Gelder hears this and starts freaking out. Like, no, bad things! Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Spock, wanting to to find out what's going on with Van Gelder. Uh, uh, goes ahead and says, listen, I'm going to do an ancient Vulcan technique to find out what's going on in Van Gelder's mind.
1: I must now use an ancient Vulcan technique to probe into Van Gelder's tortured mind. Spock, if there's the slightest possibility, it might help. I've never used it on a human, Doctor.
0: Joe, this is this is the mind melt that we're doing, right? It is. It sure
1: is. What did you think about it?
0: Um, I... Th- well, here's what I thought because I knew what it was. I was like, oh, this is the mind meld. This is the first time we're seeing this. Yes. I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, wow.
1: Okay, this so hasn't happened. You saw it in uh, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. Yes. Um, you pr- I don't remember which other of the other movies you saw it in, but I know he did it at least once. Or maybe tw- – oh, yeah. He did it in – um, the one with his brother, Cybok.
0: Oh, okay. Think... That will uh, be Star Trek Five, the final okay. frontier.
1: Yeah, the final frontier. He does it there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, he does it somewhere else, the one with the whales. Is that six?
0: That's uh, four. The
1: Voyager. Is that four? Yep. Okay, I'm pretty sure he does it in four. I
0: forget. Doesn't he do it with with a whale oh, or something does. like that? he like... does. you right. He does it with a whale. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So you've definitely seen it several times. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. This is the very first time it's here. Um, So tell me, now that you saw how it worked on the show as compared to the movies, what's your
0: opinion? Um, I mean, there was really nothing. There's not much to it. It's all in the – it's all really just performance. You know, I'm going to touch this guy and – I'm going to know what's going on, I'm going to talk real kind of low. The one thing that I thought was cool is that as Spock is trying to find out, he says to Van Gelder, while while they're together, he says... I, I can't think of what it is that he says, but he refers to the two of them as as us, as though they're, they're this right. one thing. And right. that was really cool. What did he do to us? He can reshape. Any mind he chooses, he used it to erase our memories. Because in, yeah. in that moment they were. It was like it was cool. How about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's exceptionally cool. And, and also, so here's here's the history of how it came about.
0: All right, I knew that was coming.
1: All right, so uh, so NBC has a thing called has a department called Broadcast Standards. They just refer to them as BS. There's probably a joke in that. Um, but they would look at the at the script, and then they would you know then they would give uh, their offer their concerns, and in some cases they would just demand you can't do this, you can't do that. And so when the script was originally written, one of the things that they had in there that uh, Winselberg, the writer, had in there was that uh, Spock hypnotized uh, Van Gelder to get this information out of him. Okay. Well, they didn't like that. They thought, well, wait a minute, uh, you can't show somebody on TV, hypnotizing somebody else, first of all. What? Here, you know, here's, well, here's why. Oh my. Here's why. Because some people might think that they're being hypnotized when they watch the show.
0: You, you know, I gotta tell you, if there was ever a group of people that was under the impression <laughs> that everyone is a complete and utter moron, it's people who run television networks because you always hear the most idiotic things in the world, just like that. Well, there you go. So, Holy cow! Yes,
1: right. So they said, okay. Well, and we don't know if you are going to have Spock uh, hypnotize him, then you can't show the act of it. And also, we need you to uh, develop the background that he has to be able to hypnotize a human being. We don't know that you are going to have to establish that in this script somehow. If you are, go- if you are not going to do that, then you have to have McCoy do it. And again, it can't be it can't be done on scene. So Leonard Nimoy looks at this uh, at the script and knowing at some point that there's a problem with, uh, with NBC's BS department, uh, he says, you know what? This entire uh, a scene is boring anyway. How about we do something like this? So I don't know for a fact that it was Leonard Nimoy's idea. I think it may have been Roddenberry's idea. But somehow it came about because NBC's BS department said, no, we don't like this. And so this is how it was invented.
0: That's really cool. So see that? Necessity, the mother of all invention.
1: Exactly right. That's
0: cool. All right. So they start the mind meld. We're going to go back up to Kirk for a minute. And he suspects that there's something going on with that neural neutralizer. And he wants to go check it out. He gets Dr. Noel to go with him. Hey, can, uh, can you work that thing? All right. Well, let's go do it. This doesn't this. you know that was interesting too, because three or four scenes
1: earlier she said it was too complicated for her to understand
0: she did, but let's <laughs> listen, let's leave my fiance alone, okay I'm sorry, I All apologize right, please
1: your your ninety eight year old fiance I'm sorry go ahead
0: in the mind meld, we learned that the neural neutralizer was used to erase memories and not only that Joey it's even worse to place thoughts in people it's like inception the neutralizer will empty people out crazy not good now this is not good so kirk being the idiot that he is says hey i don't know it's as though he found the keys to his father's car and like hey let's let's give this for a test drive i'll put myself in this chair and you turn on that beam that empties out people's brains and let's find <laughs> out what happens <laughs> like no all right so all right so all right here's what we're going to do we'll put it on for just a second we'll see what happens all right and uh, kirk doesn't notice anything has happened all right. Well, I'll say here's a, here's an idea. Why don't you suggest something to me, and then we'll see. And so, at first, our first suggestion is okay. Uh, Kirk, you're hungry, and sure enough, Kirk is hungry. Amazing. Then Kirk decides though that that's not you know what. Find something a little odd. Find something a little different. So well, you we know we why know he says sure. that
1: though. He's like, wait a minute, this thing is really powerful. Yes. Um, he was if we, if we if we did hardly anything, let's actually try something. Because- yes. How could this be, this thing be so powerful and Dr. Adams acts like it's not a big deal?
0: Yes, exactly. No, no, no I yeah. understand. Yeah. It's yeah. like we got we got a little bit, we got a little something. Let's let's amp it up. Let's see where where we can go with this. Yeah. And um Dr. Noel has somewhere that she would like to go with this. Um. Yeah, there's a backstory, isn't there? Yeah, there's a little bit of a backstory that pops in, where all of a sudden she puts in the memory in Kirk's head. Back at the old Christmas party, and here we go. And uh, back at the old Christmas party, in in her version that she's putting in Kirk's head, that Kirk swept her off her feet instead. At the Christmas party, we met.
1: We danced. You talked about the stars. I suggest now that it happened in a different way. You swept me off my feet.
0: And and now we're going now we're going to get some flashback to this or I guess a I fantasy know. version of this which yeah. is funny because it looks like they're on the exact same set they're wearing the exact same clothes in this fantasy oh, version. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> there wasn't a they lot. They really of... know
1: how to cut loose at the Christmas party. Yeah, yeah. There was. There's
0: really no effort put into the Christmas party. I mean, I'm sure they filmed that scene 30 seconds before they filmed this one. Everyone's wearing right. the same thing. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> then Doctor Adams shows up as we were all waiting, and now the fun is all over because Doctor Adams yeah. is going to show you just what that what that damn beam can do. And yes. so. He, like, all right, you, you think you're cute here, huh? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to plant the idea that Kirk is madly in love with Dr. Noel.
1: You must have her or the pain grows worse. The pain, the longing for.
0: For years you've loved her, Captain. For years? For years I've loved you. You must continue to remember that, Captain. I don't know why that's so terrible, but all right. And then he also has Kirk drop his phaser and his communicator. But but we're talking about Captain Kirk, Joe. Right. It's not going to go down like that, man. Not that easy. Not that easy. So while Kirk does drop the phaser, he does open the communicator and, and tries to call out. And as he does, Adams is just, you know, turning that knob, making that beam stronger. And Kirk's yelling. He's giving a Kirk yell. Because it's so powerful.
1: <laughs>
0: now we're going to cut to uh, Kirk waking up into a, in a room with Noelle and when he wakes up he is madly in love with her. Now it it doesn't take her long to get him to to snap out of that. Right? She kind no, of like a,
1: Well, yeah. he got distracted by the possibility of escape.
0: Um okay, sure. The idea of escape is always a very appealing on penal colonies, so I've been told. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna do the old, we're gonna do the old escape through the air duct trick, and so Doctor Noel gets herself inside a, a very large air duct. By the way, like, boy,
1: Bruce Willis would have loved that in Die Hard. Huh? I, I
0: mean, really, I, I yeah. I'm surprised you didn't pass a Starbucks on the way going through those air ducts. <laughs> <It's>
1: so large, <laughs> I, I know it's so roomy. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is the roomiest air duct I've ever seen. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, um,
1: it's like a hallway.
0: As soon as she goes in, the you know some henchmen come and grab Kirk, and it's time for more fun with the beam. And while they're doing the, some beam experiments, it's discovered that Doctor Noel is missing, and so Adams is trying to get her whereabouts from Kirk, but he's not talking. And again, we're turning that beam even higher. Okay, but
1: while this is happening, yes. are we finding out what Doctor Adams is about? I, I don't. Why know. is he doing this?
0: I, what's I, his motivation? Oh, I, I, what's his motivation, Joe?
1: I'm not. I, I'm not there. I'm saying like that's not coming up though, right?
0: Oh, yes.
1: Like. Okay, since we're comparing this – I'm doing it a lot and you're agreeing – to the Dr. Corby episode, we understand that Dr. Corby has an aspiration to – I mean he thinks it's a good idea to uh, um, have – to bring a sense of immortality to the rest of the universe, right? The human side of the universe anyway. Yes. Um, Right? So in his mind, he thinks it's a good thing. He's guided by a vision,
0: What's going on with this guy? This guy is um, creating a little, I don't know, paradise for himself. I don't really know what, <laughs> you're right. What is the end game for Dr. Adams? I don't exactly know what it is. I mean, obviously, he does not uh, want anyone to find out. He knows that what he's doing is messed up because once Kirk is involved, it's like, all right, now I got to empty your brain out. And I don't – you know, it's funny. This is such a short-sighted idea because what are you going to do with Kirk after you've emptied his brain out? you got to send him – either you got to keep him or you got to kill him and then say there was an accident. Like whatever you're going to do, you're just going to bring more people down. Like this is a bad idea all around.
1: It's not logical, like no. to, to to you know to subject him to these treatments is stupid. It is. But I think what he's trying to do, I think, yeah. Um, and again, it's not explained very well. Is if he can uh, turn his mind around, make him forget that there are issues here, send him back up to the Enterprise, and act like everything's okay, then then it would make sense, right? That would make
0: sense. But, every, but that's
1: not really explained very well.
0: Well, I well, what do we see him doing? It seems like he's just trying to torture Kirk. It seems like he's just trying to be an a-hole the whole time. It does. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it There it, it doesn't seem to be a plan in place. Let's just put it that way.
1: In fact, he even says that he's just impressed with Kirk's uh, strength compared to Van Gelder.
0: <laughs> that's right. Van Gelder was a big wimp, apparently. He was, yeah, so this he was is great, that I and I can really,
1: like, I could really push the push the beam on you, the pain beam on you, and see if you know if your brain's gonna explode or not. Where Van Gelder couldn't handle it, this is fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So basically, what we find out, he's he's just kind of a sadist. Okay, I guess. Yeah. All right. So let's see. So Doctor Noel in the power room, right? Uh, she gets in there and she's got to fight off some henchmen. She turns the power off, and then here comes a henchman, and he puts the power on, and now we've got a struggle. And then she kicks him into the power grid. <laughs> and fries that guy. And when that happens, the, the power is off, and Kirk finally gets a break from the beam, and what do we find out? That doctors are wimps. That's what we find out. He goes to work. He makes real quick work of those two dudes that are in there with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Doctors on penal colonies are whips. Yeah, apparently they are. Yeah,
0: that's right. He just knocks them out real quick. Okay. Okay. What I, I here's what I do like. I do like that Spock has been trying to beam down to the penal colony. He hasn't been able to do it because of the force field, and he just has the guys on the on the at the work on the transport keep doing it and as soon as it's open, let me know and he tells them look get get some security guys to to beam down with me but he's not going to wait for them it's like look i know something messed up is going on it's go time i don't have time to mess around <laughs> so as soon as it's available he goes by himself i love that that's great and okay and i listen i don't think that spock should be the guy to go but if if there's one person that i would want to go it's oh yeah it's that's that's the guy that's the guy I want you to beam down, right? well, you want him,
1: yes also also this this is one of the uh, you know the few signs that you're gonna get here and there throughout the the series um that show that, that's sort of like uh, a side of his um affection for Kirk yes right? so,
0: yes, a little uh, a little emotion yeah he he actually yeah. cares for for Kirk.
1: he has to get there and help his friend, yes, right. he knows that there's trouble. He knows it better than anybody else. He was suspicious before, and now he actually has information from Van Gelder, all right? Because he did the the, the mind meld. Yes. And uh, you know, I could be critical of the fact that when he beams out, when he beams onto the planet, into that security room, you know, he knows exactly which switches to hit to turn the power grid back on and everything, right? But then again, I could say, you know, you could flip that around and say, well,
0: but he was in Van Gelder's brain. So he's seen everything that this guy has seen. Well, I, I would also go ahead and argue that everything in the 23rd century is just a bunch <laughs> of switches and knobs. Yeah. And if you just turn them, there you go.
1: Oh, he does a little bit more. Like there's this one uh, area that he pulls like, uh, I don't know, a stick or a key out of. And then he like, hit, he like punches it in like five different places, you know. And then he goes over to something else and he grabs something and – But I what is I thought you what I thought you were going to say is that in the twenty third century apparently everything is labeled very clearly as well.
0: You know that's also another thing that is also (laughs) because yeah the 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 thing that um, that Noel that Doctor Noel uses is clearly labeled whatever it says. What does she use? I'm sorry. What does it say? What does she use? What are you talking about? When she turns the power off initially. There uh-huh. is a. It's a very clearly labeled bar that she's got to pull down. Oh,
1: oh yeah, right, right, right.
0: <laughs> right. You know, right. it's like uh, power to the entire penal colony. It's, it's, you know, big sign right, uh, right there. Don't pull yeah. this lever. You know.
1: Unless you are Doctor Helen Noel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, probably what it says. Doctor Noel, pull this one. Yeah, <laughs>
1: pull the pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, it, to me, this is taken from the uh, from the times because Batman is on at the same time that this show is on, and isn't it the same exact thing in like the Bat Cave? Well,
0: right. Yes, but I mean that show is intentionally campy. I mean, there's. I a, know that, but I'm just
1: saying like that. That's sort of like the the. the it's a sign of the times of how you do TV. I think.
0: I guess I I, I, I do like my theory that things are just going to be very simplified once we oh, get there. Oh, I see. Yes. All um, right. Well, good luck with that. All right. Sure. Wait, well listen, when we get to the 23rd century, you'll see, all right? Keep laughing. Okay.
1: All right, all right. I got a dollar bet with you on that. All
0: right, very good. Uh all let's right. see. Um blah, 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 where the heck was I? All right, so then the the well, beam, wait,
1: spot just turned the power back on, right? Yes.
0: So when the And what happens? The power comes back on, well Dr. Noel is still I'm sorry, not Dr. Noel, Dr. Adams is still in the neuralizer room. Right. And, well, you know, he's lying there being all knocked out from Kirk And that beam turns right back on and is apparently pointed probably right at the top of his head So now, you know, he's, he's stuck, he's, uh, I don't know, uh, hoist by his own petard God, is that an ancient phrase He is, uh, been been now caught by his own trap How about that? Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. yeah. All I mean,
1: right. It's it's sort of um, it's not a very creative ending, right? The no. you know the evil genius is you know, is, yeah. is is doomed by the the amazing device that he created. Yes, right?
0: exactly. The, the 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 monster that you create ends up killing exactly. the doctor. Yeah, that whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is, right?
1: Yeah. Right. Right. But but Kirk does have a pretty good line in there. Oh, what is his line? It talks about being alone. You know what it's like. You you know, you don't even have a tormentor. Oh yes. (laughs) Your mind being emptied by that thing.
0: (laughs) Okay. He's dead, Captain.
1: The machine was not high enough to kill.
0: But he was alone.
1: Can you imagine the mind emptied by that thing? Without even a tormentor for company.
0: (laughs) That was a good line. All right. No, yeah. the, uh, Well, okay, so the beam was on high, too long, uh, Dr. Adams is dead. Apparently his his brain was erased to death, uh, whatever it was. He, he died, well, of, he died of loneliness. But what I thought is the
1: fact that you need someone, when your brain is being emptied that way, that you need someone to give you the suggestions or else you'll die.
0: I suppose I think, so, because you got to put yeah. something – well, you have to put something in there.
1: Right. So yeah. it's not exa- Right, because they even say the machine wasn't on high enough to kill him. But the fact that he was alone made it easier to kill him, I guess. It's a weird yeah. thing that they don't flesh out, but, it, you know, it, it, it was
0: interesting. All right. So let's see. We are now in our epilogue scene that happens in every episode where we're back on the bridge. Not every
1: episode, sadly. Uh,
0: uh, okay. Well, most of the ones I've seen, that's where, where, yeah, the where we The good ones, are. yeah. Oh, the good ones,
1: I shouldn't say it that way. I lo- I love the epilogues. I've, all- in fact, that was one of the first things when I was five years old watching this show. Yeah. I love the episode, the epilogues. Okay. Oh, here's where they get, here's where you get like the humanity part, you know, and you get, you know, a little bit of you know joshing each other, jiving each other, you know. I have Josh- always loved it, even at five years old. <laughs> all
0: right, so let's see. Uh, here's what we learned: that uh, Van Gelder is back on the penal colony, and he has dismantled the beam. Oh, Captain.
1: There was a message from Tantalus Colony, sir. It was from Van Gelder. He thought you'd like to know the treatment room had been dismantled.
0: Uh, I don't know how he got his brain back together. Did they put him under the beam and then reassemble it? I don't. I don't know, but he he must be okay.
1: Um, I would guess the mind belt.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that that put him back. I would think so. Uh, yeah. and then we have a little bit of just some awkward silence. And now we're on to the next adventure. See, I put the awkward silence the in like the it. show. I put the awkward yeah. silence. Did you, did you catch that?
1: <laughs> I wasn't feeling awkward. It was just normal between you and me. So oh, okay.
0: Yeah, all right. So yeah. anyway, there you go. And and that's our episode. That's our uh Dagger of the Mind. Our yeah. base. our remake of What Little Girls Are Made Of. That's <laughs> right. yeah, and right. I will tell you I was thinking that of that episode the whole time I was watching this one. Because okay. I mean, it was because it was so. I mean, it was like two episodes ago that he's going yeah. down there with one lone female. I mean, the only difference is that there wasn't a love interest. Well, actually, you know what? Though we we changed it because the love interest was was Kirk and Noel. All
1: right, so let me we let me talk the, about some of that. We changed
0: stuff. the dynamic. Go ahead, lay it on. Right.
1: Me. So actually, it was supposed to be
0: Yeoman Rand. Of course, I was thinking. I was thinking that, that it seemed like Rand should be there because this Dr. Noel comes out of nowhere and now right. she's the she's got a huge role in this episode. She's all over the place.
1: right. but the the guy that was uh, helping Roddenberry run the enterprise and I don't mean literally the I mean the the, the project called Star Trek, uh, Bob Justman. Had big had a big problem with that. He said, "How the heck can you justify bringing Grace Lee Whitney down, or Yeoman Rand, not the actress? How can you justify bringing Yeoman Rand down there? She is just a yeoman. So Kirk's going to go there by himself and just have her with him to get him coffee and stuff like that. It doesn't make sense. And how the heck is he going to wind up getting in the chair initially, which is essential to the to the plot, and trusting Yeoman Rand to you know to hit the knobs? So that was a big problem that they had." There were a lot of problems that they had with the original script. Um, so basically, she was written out of the episode, and she was really upset, and she was really sad because she knew initially when, when the scripts were all first coming up, somehow, I don't know how she got it, maybe they sent it to her or whatever, but she was supposed to be in it and have this big part. So when she saw how it was being produced, and it was being produced without her, she was watching with uh, a lot of enviousness, a lot of envy, that's probably better, yes. uh, watching uh, Mariana Hill say all these lines. Um huh. so you know they also were always concerned about the captain of the enterprise having this love interest that's like really out there. They did not want a Sam and Diane thing where Sam and Diane actually get together. The captain of the enterprise is someone that people should covet. He should covet other people, but it should never actually happen not with not with uh, people that um, you know work work in Starfleet or on the enterprise. so that was an issue okay. Um, and so they wrote her out and to me uh, while I'm sad for Grace Lee in that
0: in that regard, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense and yeah. and honestly we got a little bit of an upgrade because uh, I'm I mean are, are, is this the only time that we're seeing this Dr. Noel?
1: Well, I don't want to tell you, so we'll just oh uh, we'll just God. move on. That.
0: Listen, I have a vested interest here. Yeah, I, like, let's
1: move on to some of the other uh, guest uh, stars.
0: All right, what else? Fine, what else?
1: Well, were you happy to see uh, uh,
0: the future uh, Barney Miller guy? I, oh my God, that's who he is. He's the inspector. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't know, but he seemed—he's totally <laughs> seemed familiar. He totally seems familiar. Oh yes, Inspector Luger. That's who he yes, is. Yes,
1: Luger. That's right. I couldn't. I couldn't get his name. That's right, Inspector Luger. Inspector
0: yes. Luger from Barney Mill. Oh yeah, damn. That's he's Doctor Adams. You're right. He sure is. I that's, can't believe you didn't get that. No, nope. Did not get that. Did not you know at all. him from something else? <laughs> no, I know him from Barney Miller. That's it. Oh, all
1: right. So you just knew you knew him, but you weren't quite sure where. Right, yes. Yes, exactly. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Did you only watch that show when it was first run? Because, you know, you were very young when that when that's the case. Oh, Barney
0: Miller? Yeah. I don't think I really watched it when, no, because it ends in, what, 82 or 83, I would say. I don't even think it makes it that far. It, it, I think it's, I want to say it's 82, 81, 82. Really? Like because it's to me that's a 70s show. Oh, it's most definitely a 70s show. Um, okay. No, because but it I didn't, com- it goes for like 8 years, you know. I didn't think it did. I thought it
1: went like maybe 4 or 5.
0: No, if you look it up it's it's uh, okay. it, it's either 7 or it's 8 or something like that. Yeah.
1: Shockingly long. Shockingly, Shockingly long, long.
0: Yes, and yeah. I I know this because I've, I heard Hal Linden in a, on a podcast recently talking about yeah. it and saying that yeah, you know what? One se- one season too long for that show. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I
1: might argue that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what he was saying. He was like, "Yeah, no, no, we should have. We, you know, we we went one too long. That last season's not very good."
1: I'm thinking there's a bunch of them that are not very good, actually. Well,
0: Um, hey, listen, let's not debate the merits of Barney Miller, but uh,
1: let's not. And and I'm not putting on the show because I do like it, but it it is an acquired taste. It is. It is. um,
0: Yeah. It's also. It's it's also. I think. I know why we're talking about Barney Miller. I I think. It's probably one of the like the worst looking sets that you could ever find for a sitcom. Oh
1: gosh! I mean, like, I, doesn't every episode? Isn't aren't there only two scenes? Like just like Barney's office. Yes. And then there, what's outside of Barney's office? That's
0: right. Yeah, the, like the squad room. Yes, that's it. That is like it. Room, right? And it is right. the worst looking, the drabbest thing you've ever it seen. Is. You almost yes. wonder, is this in color? Because all of everything right. is muted right. so badly. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like you're watching a play when you watch Barney Miller.
1: It is like that. Yeah. It is like that. You know, I'll tell you what, just to tie this closer to uh, Star Trek, one thing that is similar, though, is the fact that they tried to do what Roddenberry tried to do with the cast. They really tried to diversify it, right? Oh, true, they did. That was really did. important. Yes. Right? Correct. So that's kind of interesting. And also, they did try to do some heady things with the plots, you know, with the two or three different plots that they had going on each episode. Absolutely. I, you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, is it a comedy or is it a thinking show? Is it a little bit of both? Probably was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a different experience than, say, Three's Company. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> okay. All right. So that's James Gregory. Yes. Uh, did you recognize – If I, I hope you I, – I kind of hope you did. I kind of hope you didn't. Did you recognize Dr. Van Gelder? no I did not
0: recognize oh my
1: gosh how do you not recognize this guy
0: who is that guy cool hand Luke does that help you cool hand Luke yeah is he's not uh, you know what we have here is a failure to communicate he's not that guy is he
1: no, isn't that the warden that says that? Yeah, that's
0: the warden that says that. No, no,
1: this guy hardly said anything. Oh, okay. As I as I remember him in that movie, but I remember his face really, really well. I haven't seen because quite I saw it a time lot time. with sunglasses and a rifle.
0: Well, that's that's the commute. Wait, 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 what's his name? What's this guy's name? Uh, Morgan Woodward. No kidding. Okay. do
1: You know the name? Uh,
0: no, I don't know the name.
1: Okay, Morgan Woodward was a guy yeah. that would go on to do Cool Hand Luke. And I, I'm going to guess that that comes out in 67?
0: I think you're right.
1: Okay, all right. So he's like the guy – If I didn't look it up. But I'm just going off the – what I remember because once I realized who, that he was a cool hand, look, i went, like, oh, yeah, that's him. He's the guard that has the rifle that's like in charge of all of the other guards. So when the cool hand Luke – when Luke and all of the other prisoners are like doing the, – they're digging the ditches, he's right there with the rifle. And they always show him with the sunglasses and oh, the yeah. sun
0: coming off, his, off the glint yes. of his – It's a menace Yeah, it's a menacing look. That's him? I think that's him, don't you think? Oh, I I don't know, I don't like I I only saw him sure. behind sunglasses, and is he wearing a yeah. hat too? I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty. I'm almost positive that's him. Like I said, I didn't look it up. I just felt like, oh, I know where that was, and I didn't look it up, and I should have. But I'm pretty confident that that's got to be him. Um, he's sort of an iconic uh, face of that movie, isn't he? Sort of like outside of, uh, at least for me, outside of Paul Newman, his face comes next. He's the guy that you're scared
0: of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, um... Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, They have a guy who's just like that, who's, you know, supposed... Yeah, yeah. There is a guy who's watching them, who's got the the sunglasses and the rifle. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, I I vaguely recall that. I vaguely recall that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, so here's the story about Morgan Woodward. Um, so he gets this role after doing tons and tons of western stuff. He's always the heavy he's always the bad guy he's like like uh d Kelly and he was um so he was typecast when he got a chance to do this, he was really excited about it because he felt like finally someone's giving him an opportunity to do a role that's that's going to be very very different and would really expand his skill set to show other people what he could do. He put so much effort. Into this role, that it took him at least a week, and uh, by some other accounts, maybe more than that, to recover, to physically recover. Oh he my. was exhausted, he he was beat up, he was mentally drained just from doing this
0: role. No kidding. Okay. Well, hey, man. Way to, way to get all method about it. Good job there, yeah. Morgan Woodward.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. right. He really did. He really got very methody about it. Who knows? Maybe him and Nimoy talked about that because that's where Nimoy comes from, the school of, of method acting. Um, he's one of like the early 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 originators of method acting with leonard nimoy huh? so they probably had some conversation about that for all i know um but yeah that to me was very very cool morgan woodward will come
0: back oh in, no in kidding. A future
1: episode not in a different role i was gonna say role. he
0: can't be van gelder again they gotta be using well i guess he could else. but
1: yeah he doesn't yeah, yeah
0: yeah all right okay that's cool what else do you got anything else for me on this
1: yeah, so let's real quick uh, going back to your uh, to your fiancee uh, Marianne Hill. You'll be pleased to know that she's younger than I was saying when I was joking around. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually seventy six.
0: Okay, okay, then. Well, you know, yeah, that's yeah. right. Now the real big question is: Is she single? That's what
1: that I don't. I cannot Did, confirm didn't look or that deny. Up,
0: huh? Didn't look that up. All right. Thanks. I, I, I,
1: I have, but I just don't see it. But I can tell you yeah. that you might want to be careful because she is the cousin of General Norman Schwarzkopf. No kidding.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you just might want to be careful. Stormin' Norman. All right. That's right. All
1: right. That's right. That's Very right. I, okay. So I want to talk about the writer a, a, a bit because there's a lot of drama in the backstory about the about the writer. <clears throat> So the guy who wrote this, his name is Shimon Winselberg. And I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly, but uh, Shimon. But um, he was actually a very prolific writer at that time, doing tons of uh, episode writing for lots of TV shows. He had come to Providence in 1959 doing some kind of a play. I forget what the name of it was. But he you know, received all these rave reviews in the New York Times and other places. So he was very, very popular. And um, when Roddenberry invited him in, um, he knew that this guy was not exactly Mr. Science Fiction guy in the way that he wanted him to be, but he knew that he was a good TV writer. He had worked on scripts that uh, of TV shows that Roddenberry had worked on scripts on as well. They were both writers you know, okay. a, a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know what? He, he had another screening of the second pilot. It happened on March 9, 1966. He said, come on in. I want you in, because he was always trying to get more writers in because he was desperate for writers. Mm-hmm. So... This guy had already done a ton of writing on the one show that everybody that was associated with Star
0: Trek hated. Do you remember what that show was? That everybody hated? Wait, yes. Oh wait, is it the is it the show Roddenberry did before this one?
1: No, 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 no. It was a it was sort of kind of a campy rival show to Star Trek, and everybody hated it.
0: Oh, is it Lost in Space? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
1: They were like, "Don't confuse us with them." No, 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 no. That's I, that's like. That's like space balls to us.
0: Yeah, you know, I, dumb, I understand. Dumb. I right. get so that. They yeah. didn't
1: like that stuff. But and it turns out that this guy was a, a major, major writer on, on the early episodes of Lost in Space. So much so that he should have gotten credit as the co-creator of Lost in Space. But he didn't for whatever reason. Oh, no kidding. Right. So they bring him in. So Roddenberry knows this. But he's like, I don't care. I think you get it. I'm going to make this exception. So what I want you to do, you like? Do you like what you're watching? Do you like uh, where no man has gone before? Oh yeah, I think this is great. Cool. All right. So what I want you to do is, now that you understand the show, there's a few more things to think about, understanding the characters and the kind of show we're trying to do here. Okay. Come back to me in, uh, I don't know, X amount of time, uh-huh. and give me a script, pitch, 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 uh, or not a script, but a story idea. Tell me what you got, and if we can greenlight it, then you can get paid some money, and we can get this thing on the air. Okay. Cool. So he comes back. He goes to Roddenberry's office d c Fontana. remember her? Yes, I do. okay, so she's still the secretary there, right? so he's sitting uh, in the in the office in the waiting room wait, wait, waiting waiting for you know Roddenberry to become available. And, and he hears, he overhears DC Fontana talking to somebody else. I don't know if she's on the phone or whatever, but she makes some set of remarks. She doesn't know uh, anything about Winselberg's background. He's already written, basically written the complete first five episodes of Lost in Space. Okay. Um, so she, like, hangs up the phone, turns to somebody, and says something like, You know, the nerve, of, I can't
0: believe that some of these agents have the nerve to suggest writers who work for Lost in Space. <laughs> Oh man, and he he, he, he's, he right there. he's gotta hear that. <laughs> yes, he hears that. <laughs> he hears that. Well he shrugs it off. He um
1: he makes his pitch, you know, Ronberry likes the idea and he says, Okay, go ahead, write something with it. Write write it up. Okay, so he writes it up, but when he writes it up, it's completely uh science fiction pulpy. It's you know all these beams and all these crazy gadgets and stuff like that, and it's exactly what Bob Justman, the guy that Roddenberry has has put in charge of the entire Star, Star Trek uh, product. Roddenberry is consumed with, with a lot of things. He needs someone else to be his secondhand guy that's going to go in and hire you know, directors and writers and uh, you know, help him figure out you know, where things are going to go, the production, all of that. So that's what Bob Justman does. He's essential to everything. And, um, and, and Justman tells Gene Roddenberry that it's way too pulpy. It's too much like, quote-unquote, astounding science fiction. And so they've got a lot of problems with it. Then uh, it goes up, you know. So they ask him to rewrite it, and I don't know exactly how it works, but there's a deal back then, and I'm sure it's even you know more defined these days. But back then, mm-hmm. when you hire somebody to do your script and you accept the script, you pay them like eight hundred bucks, eight fifty, whatever it is, a thousand bucks, right? You get them once you get the script. You can ask for one or two rewrites, right? Okay. So and then uh, and and then. They have to give that to you if they're going to get paid. Okay. After that, it's a problem. Okay. So if there needs to be a third rewrite, it could be an issue. So, anyways, it was being so. There were so many things that were happening here. Uh, NBC had so many problems. You know, they didn't like the uh, the hypnotizing thing that I told you about. Um, do you remember the karate chop that happens early on when Kirk takes out? Um, oh yeah. Van Gelder. Yes. Well, that came about because initially they had i don't know if it was kirk but they had somebody in the original script uh doing a knee to the face and they thought that was too brutal
0: oh yeah i could see that that is right that's too brutal for for network television in 1966 that's true right
1: yeah. there was a lot of stuff like that that was happening that um they didn't like um nbc uh um hated the idea of uh Yeoman Rand, you know, having all this sexual tension, because remember she was in the original script, having all this sexual tension with the captain, they didn't like any of that they thought it didn't make sense, they thought it was dumb and Justin thought it was really dumb, he's the guy that said, you know, how the heck is Kirk supposed to actually get in the chair and trust a yeoman to go ahead and punch the wheels, none of that makes any sense so they did all of that a lot of problems
0: I'm sorry, go ahead wow, a lot of problems here
1: Right, And then ultimately we, we also don't know what is the bad guy's motivation like I brought up earlier. We don't know right?
0: No, I, I still am not really sure other than just to be a bad guy. right. So
1: um, at one point now he's paid he's paid uh, Winselberg and hes and he's also put him on other stories stories to come. Um, so one of those is going to in my mind it's, it's one of my favorite episodes I watched it like three years ago I was like wow I don't remember it being this cool it's really really great it's, um, uh, it's called the Galileo 7 so that's going to come up later this season it's really great so he puts them on that he puts them on another one So and he's also moving on to other scripts for other TV shows so when Roddenberry comes back to him and says hey we, you know we need you to do something else he doesn't have to do it anymore you know he's been paid. He's done his, you know, his two or three re- rewrites, whatever right. the, the total yeah. is. He's required to do. He's like, come on, I, I need to move on and to other projects where I'm going to make money. This is annoying. You know, you're, you're, you're being too petty. You're being too picky. So, at, at, at one point when he pushes it, when Roddenberry says, "Listen, this is what I need," then I'm going to read. I'm going to read a little bit here from, uh, from that book that I told you about, written by Mark Cushman, These are the voyages. So this is an actual letter. That the guy wrote back to uh, – it's an excerpt from a letter okay. that the guy wrote back to Roddenberry after he sees the script that's already been rewritten you know, and, and has multiple other issues with it. So he says, even though in many places you have improved the script, you've also been carried away by a healthy creative momentum and it quote-unquote improved a lot of scenes which conceivably could have been left alone if only to satisfy the poor writer's vanity himself. The overall effect on me, at least, is something of a morale depressant. I shall resume my labors on Galileo with hopefully undiminished enthusiasm as soon as I get my friendly neighborhood quack to neural neutralize the image of dagger from my bleeding mind.
0: Whoa! <laughs> 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 wow.
1: Roddenberry's response? Yeah. Again, this is all in the book. These are the voyages. Roddenberry's response is to scribble across that letter two words fuck him
0: <laughs> so
1: winselberg has the last laugh
0: oh okay and has well this. maybe
1: maybe you did cuz you you've laughed you know years later 50 years later i don't know sure. but um he has the last laugh because he, uh, they got uh they got a legal letter that said that winselberg did not want his real name as the writer
0: You know what's funny? I did notice uh, the writer's name because it popped up at at the end, and it was like I don't know Bar or something or other.
1: Yeah, well done. It's S Bar David.
0: What's that?
1: Okay, so that's that's it's you know he's Jewish and has it's sort of a a Jewish thing, son of David, blah blah blah. It's Uh... like so he would use that pseudonym. And here's a quote from him again from that same book, a quote from the writer. In those days, I was very stuffy about that sort of thing. I had plays on Broadway and didn't want my name associated with lines of dialogue I wouldn't have written.
0: Okay, interesting. And so he came up with a pseudonym of of, uh, (laughs) S. Bar David. Right, right. So
1: in the Jewish culture, uh, Bar David stands for Son of David, and then the S was for Shimon. Okay, then. So so he makes that up, and he uses it whenever he doesn't like the fact that um, this piece of work does not represent what he originally submitted or would have submitted. That's okay. what I think.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Uh, you know. okay, but the decision just...
1: to do that, to yeah. use that, is a complete embarrassment to Roddenberry, who wanted the Winselberg name on his product.
0: Oh, okay. I mean, I guess that's got to be just something that would be good in the community. I mean, how well known – is this writer is it just all right very exceptionally I mean is he well known to people at home or is he well known in the ho- you know within writers and so within writers
1: within, within the industry so, okay. if, so the, I mean, I, this is a show that they're trying okay. you know, they're trying to establish the show yeah. and remember when all of
0: this drama is happening Star Trek hasn't aired yet I see. Okay, so now what we don't want is our show to have attracted a writer who was prominent, and his experience caused him to take his name off the show.
1: Exactly because what, yeah. what if, you, if what what Star Trek's vision, and I, I I'm saying Star Trek instead of Roddenberry because there's so many more people that are like minded, like thinking in uh, with him in this way. There's you know his generals, you know. DC Fontana, Bob Juspin, we're going to get to the name Gene Coon soon, you know, all of these people are very, very important. He's assembling an all-star cast to change television. That's what he's trying to do. This is not going to be, you know, like writing for anybody else. Yeah, you know, we know you, you know, you can write for Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie, you know, or that's true. Maybe you wrote a, maybe you wrote every episode in Gunsmoke, but this is different. And if you can't if you can't uh, you know, reach the standard that we're setting here, then that's okay. We just want people that can. And so they've identified who those people are. And uh, I, it's not too hard. They're award-winning people. Their names are all over TV shows of the day. You know, they write on uh, Roddenberry's uh, show from before called The Lieutenant. They write on, they do write on Gunsmoke, The Outer Limits and things like that. He wants the top people because he's, telling nbc this is a top show okay. and nbc is helping to pay this is the most expensive show on television you know each episode costs almost two hundred thousand dollars to produce hmm. um it's a lot of money back then you know so um they have to come you know f- completely justify that every time with fantastic scripts and that you can't get fantastic scripts unless you have fantastic writers that are well seasoned right this, that who that have great ideas this is true so,
0: this is true. Right. I totally so you get bring,
1: it. So you're going after the cream of the crop. This guy's in there, and now he's pissed at you, and he does that, and now you can't tout your product. Look at all these great writers I have. You should be writing for me, too. You know, or going back to NBC saying, well, that's what it cost. The reason it costs so much is we have all these great writers, you know? Um, and so that's a big deal. It really hurts, and um, it's a problem. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, it's, it's not so problematic that they never work together again, but – it's interesting, you know, how much went into it. And, it. and what I was impressed by was just, again, how much they care that this is not a typical TV show. This, yeah. is, this is different. They're, this is a concept
0: show almost, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Is, is, what else? Is there anything else that you got for me on this one?
1: I do have one more thing. And there's a page that uh, – let me find this. I have to find it here real quick. There's a page that didn't make the final script. That would have explained the, the the missing piece that we were that we were talked about in the plot. Like, what is Doctor oh, Adams' um, motivation?
0: Okay, good.
1: Okay, so I'm going to quote here from the book, and oh. it's going to be a little long because it is a full page of dialogue. Oh, um, so the book says one misstep, however, uh, came about as a result of Roddenberry's hope for mankind. In the July 31st final draft, we get an explanation for Doctor Adams. Illicit experimentation. In the only line of this explanation that survived, Adam says how he's been fortunate to have a pair such as Kirk and Van
0: Gelder to experiment on. Do you remember him saying that? We talked about it. Yep, sure do. Instead of that Van Gelder, who was crying and begging for his mama.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 right. So this is the moment here, and uh, this stuff is going to get cut. The lines that were to follow would have added greatly to the episode if they had been allowed to stay. Kirk being subjected to the neural neutralizer beam blurts out, For what purpose, Doctor? I cannot understand a man of your of your he's unable to finish his sentence due to the pain from the neuralizer. Adams answers anyway, saying, Of my reputation? Of course unfortunately, I have little else. Except now, with this device, power. Power over minds, and thus over everything that counts. The final great criterion. And that since I have it. I've decided to use it for myself. After all these years of doing things for others, say, I want a very comfortable old age on my terms, and I am a most selective man. Kirk, struggling to remain conscious, yells back, unnecessary, just trust. Adam says, (laughs) trust mankind to offer me my just reward? You're an optimist, Captain. In this work, I've learned too much about men's minds. And
0: there you go. Okay, so basically, what we learn in your in your missing piece of dialogue there is yeah. that Doctor Adams, he's just like a standard villain. Yeah, he's. But just, at least, but at least
1: we get it, though. You know. Yeah, I mean, it it, it does tie it together. It, because no, it, it does. doesn't make sense how he shows up out of the blue and he just like grabs her and now he's like switching the button on Kirk, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
1: eh. I
0: don't know. I thought that was cool to have that. No, it's it's definitely cool to know that's what it is because you're right, it is the one thing. We had no idea what the end game was, what the idea was. And yes, his idea is now I can now I can rule the world with this machine. God forbid he ever invented the portable version of the neural <laughs> neutralizer. Which really yeah. actually actually they did have the uh, the portable version in the Men in Black movies, right?
1: I didn't see this. I can't say what. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. But it, actually, but th- but that's not right though. What you just said though. He's not trying to rule the world. He's just trying to rule his little, his, li- little his little kingdom.
0: yes, exactly his kingdom. All yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. so in the Men in Black movies, the the characters they carry oh, they carry around. A, you would appreciate. I'm telling it's the portable version of this. So it ties oh. in, and uh-huh. it's, it's a little stick, and they pull it up, and a light flashes. And what it this is in case anyone in the general public sees them doing stuff, or they see one of the aliens running around, they'll all right. Well, come here. Let me explain to you what's going on. And then they'll do this. They'll flash this beam at them, and then while they're stunned by the beam, they explain it. They'll give them a story that they'll plant in the person's head, and then they go. On. All right. So what you what you saw here was actually just a weather balloon. And uh, now go about oh, your, now go about yeah. your business. It's the yeah. it is the portable version of that machine. Isn't that kind of neat? Uh,
1: no, but okay.
0: <laughs> no, like t- I tied something in. Come on.
1: Uh, yeah, but you brought in that science fiction pulpy thing that you know we don't want to do in Star Trek. Bob Justman doesn't like it. Joey Delgado doesn't like it. This you, is the way it is. I'm
0: sorry. Didn't you say you haven't seen those movies?
1: I kind of see
0: saw one of them I think yeah all right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah sure yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. so anyway let's let's assess some points and call it a night let's do that you ready I, I'm listening all right well first of all there's ten points because
1: <laughs> <'Cause of> what
0: because <laughs> uh Marietta Hill is a ten I thought you would say that there you go there's ten points right there and there's another ten points for everything else that's that's a, that's a nice generous 20 points. For this episode.
1: Are you saying you didn't like the episode?
0: It's not that great. I'm pretty sure I've seen this one before. except Oh, is that right? Yeah. I'm Well, no, no, no. I mean, I saw this one, except it had Lurch and Address was the oh, difference. Oh, right, 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 it right. Felt right, like right. a rehash. Of like I liked it better than that. It I is. Did. It's better than that one. It is better than that one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but nonetheless, uh, none, I mean, what did I give that one? That's the one I gave five points to. Is it really, yeah, I give that one five, okay. I'm giving this one twenty come on that's 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 progress
1: um okay,
0: all right, all right so all right.
1: okay, okay, so you gave this another fifty points, right
0: uh that's twenty points that's oh 15. sorry, yeah. sorry,
1: so we are now so in our quest as we warp factor uh, twenty five heading towards barreling towards a hundred thousand points to turn. Uh-huh. Dan, yeah, into a fan, yeah. We are now at how much? Um, two hundred and twenty. Two hundred and twenty on the way to a hundred thousand. yeah, a hundred thousand are bust, and we're at two twenty. Yeah, and we are already about ten episodes in out of seventy nine.
0: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look good at this point. We're gonna have to pick it up. We're gonna have to pick it up at some point. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Yeah, we're definitely so, some, gonna have to do that. Some of these good ones are gonna have to come in here. Oh, Oh,
1: man. man. They're coming.
0: coming. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. And this week, I'm just going to say it myself because I already know. I know I'm not supposed to look these things up, but I did see it next on the list. Our next episode that we're going over is something called the Carbamite Maneuver. And I'm not even going to ask any opinions about it. We're done for this episode. And Joey, take us out of here. Fans, you've got the con. hang on wait a second one more thing if you're enjoying attempting trek and we certainly hope that you are we would love to hear from you so if you want you could send us an email mine is Radio Dan show at gmail.com and you can also connect with the show on facebook it is facebook.com slash attempting trek and i guess i lied because it's two more things If you are enjoying the show, please take the time to rate and review it on iTunes because it does help the show out. It helps it get to uh, be more visible in searches, and you, you know how that whole thing works, right? All right. See you next time.